This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. You guys remember driver's ed. It sucked, right? Well, everybody knows it sucks, okay? Even the people who put them on try to get gimmicky because goodness knows if they can help you pass the time as you sit through the eye-stabbingly boring content about who has the right-of-way when a car is trying to turn left from a four-lane road onto an intersecting two-lane road with no traffic signal... Okay, I know you all know the answer. It's just that you wait for the biggest car to pull through first. Well, they'll have a leg up on the competition. Because you'll pay whatever for somebody to spice up the finer details of lane-changing protocol, right? Yeah, I'm right. Okay. I know another subject that suffers from the monotonousness, and it's not using God's money that's been entrusted to you to build an awesome outpost for your generations. That subject is fun, and it rocks, and that's that's our uh, favorite flavor here. No, I'm talking about the subject of insurance. So this week, we're going to wrap up the insurance series. I'm going to smash two blog posts into a single podcast for you because I think everybody might be feeling a little bit of insurance fatigue, but I also really do hope and pray that some of you are going to hear some things on these episodes that are going to have a positive impact and it may not happen for you for one or two or three years, but you'll think back to the time you heard something on Abraham's wallet that's going to save your bacon in the long run. So, Most of your buddies wouldn't click on the insurance articles as we post them up, Um, or maybe I lost you a few episodes back when I first mentioned insurance, but way to be. I'm glad you're here, and this is going to be the wrap-up. We'll do a Q&A at some point in the future once I've given you some recovery time, but no more long articles on insurance. Now, the pain of this education that we've been providing you is going to be ending, but we want to cover two two big topics today, and the first one is umbrella insurance. Okay, so what is umbrella insurance? Well, think of it this way. Have you ever been out in a storm and had the wind flip your umbrella inside out? What do you do with an umbrella that has been flipped inside out? That's right, you throw it in the trash. Yeah, that sad umbrella a victim of circumstance, is like salt that has lost its saltiness and is good only for the manure pile, to quote some scripture. But if you've had umbrella insurance, then do you know what happens? Well, Chris Paul shows up at your house and he presents you with a new umbrella. You know, pick a new color, mix it up. While I'm sure that for the right price, you could purchase that kind of umbrella insurance, what I'm going to tell you about today, well, it's actually not protecting your mobile rain shelter against unexpected loss. No, the stakes there are too small. This type of umbrella insurance is actually about excess liability coverage for you wherever you go. You may not know what I'm talking about, so I'll elaborate. There are a lot of ways for you to get in trouble when it comes to legal and financial liability. Anything that happens involving you or the property that you own could result in someone else suffering whether that's real suffering or perceived, loss, damages, offense, etc. And that suffering could expose you to liability. So think car wrecks, 
Think about Amazon delivery people slipping on your steps, your ornery dog getting loose and biting the neighbor. These are all personal liability situations. And this will not cover you, the thing that we're talking about today. It doesn't help you out if you screw up with your business dealings. That's a separate kind of insurance. We're not going to talk about that today. So how does umbrella insurance work? Well, if you pull out your homeowner's insurance or your renter's or even your auto insurance, you'll see a line that says liability with a dollar amount. And that is how much your insurance company will pay if you cause damages. Those could be property damages, but they could also be things like lost income, medical expenses, pain and suffering, etc. That is your liability coverage, and it's always your first line of defense. An umbrella policy provides you with excess liability coverage because it covers you should you run into some situation that leaves you liable for an amount greater than your primary relevant policy. You get me? Okay, we're talking about excess liability. Over and above, it's excess. So let's say your neighbor has a prize alpaca, we'll call him Arsenio, and that slightly reduced llama, um, he is in a never-ending quest for garbage to eat and he escapes his placid mew because one of your kids forgot to relatch his pen when they went in to pet his soft head. Now, he's out and about and unfortunately he gets bumped by your vehicle as you're backing out of the driveway and right into a garbage truck at the very moment that this truck is squeezing down the voluminous waste. Volumin- voluminous? Yeah. It's compacting. And Arsenio, he's dead city now. He only gave the faintest whinny as he compacted, bless him, but your neighbor, whose livelihood came from alpaca show winnings, sues you for emotional pain. He loved that, that llama. Lost wages. And a replacement alpaca. The judge, who in a terrible stroke of bad luck, happened to be a Peruvian animal lover, uh, awards your dweeby neighbor a $750,000 judgment against you. So we say drat and double drat. Well, I have further bad news. Your $200,000 auto policy's liability limit, it's not going to cover the damages. But if you had spent a lousy 100 bucks or so this year, you would have an umbrella policy that would cover excess liability, and that means you do not have to shell out another 550 k straight from your pocket or get your wages garnished for the next who knows how long. So does that make sense? It's excess coverage. Now, because my wife's a physician, we've had umbrella insurance for a long time. Even when we had very little money to our name, we knew that even a tiny car accident can cause a suspicious but hard-to-refute neck pain in the person you just bumped with your car when they discover you're a medical professional who they assume to be quite loaded. Just a side note, the discovery of someone else's lucrative profession has a funny way of negatively affecting the spine, so keep it in mind. So one of my pro tips is that an umbrella policy is an especially good idea for those who may be more likely to be sued. So think doctors, lawyers, landlords, maybe llama farmers, etc. Um, a PS pro tip, these things are so inexpensive that pretty much everyone should have one. All right? So avoiding the godforsaken courtroom is another benefit of these policies. Should you find yourself facing a lawsuit, whether it's frivolous or not, Often, the opposing party's insurance company will see that you have an umbrella policy and just settle out of court with your insurance company for the amount of your policy, assuming you're adequately covered. 
Now, lawyers, they're often pragmatists, among other things that they often are. And so the certainty of a $1 million settlement is better than a trial and a possibility of a $2 million award. If you're a lawyer listening to this, I love you and appreciate you. Um, that's just a, that's just a little lawyer joke. So we have to throw it in. But maybe you enjoy some good litigation, so it often comes with time away from your money-earning vocation, a black hole of money towards litigators, and an emotionally crippled home for however long the proceedings last. We think avoiding that alone is worth some insurance money, so there you go. So lastly, how much of this, um, how much of this magical umbrella insurance coverage do you need? Well, even if you're broke, you could use some coverage. But generally, as you have a higher net worth, you need more coverage. You can also find additional coverage useful if you engage in activities or own property that can create liability headaches. So here's a few general rules of thumb for how much you might need. This is not official advice. Your actual needs may vary. So take it with a grain of salt. Do you have a negative net worth and limited assets? Well, a $1 million policy should do you just fine. Do you have a bit more money in your family? Let's bump it up and start thinking about a $2 million policy. Have you followed some of the wise advice of the family leaders here at Abe's Wallet and purchased some rental property? Well then, cowboy, now we're talking about a 3 to $5 million policy. As an aside, there's just a myriad of ways for your knuckleheaded tenants to hurt themselves that could result in a rather dramatic lawsuit to you. So you get the idea. As your outpost expands, your umbrella policy should as well. That's the rule of thumb. So hear me, you trying to be conscientious about the future Abrahams. Go ye forth and acquire a basic excess liability policy. You're educated now, you can call it an umbrella policy. You can be down with the hip lingo, and it's just a cheap way to protect your family against trajectory-changing catastrophe. Okay, so I'd like to move on to the second and really the final topic of our insurance coverage for you here at Abraham's Wallet. Um, Up to this point, we've talked about quite a few things. We've talked about umbrella insurance very recently, but we've talked mostly, I would say, about your early demise and protecting your family from its painful hazards. It's been, we should say, a dark time. So thinking about scenarios in which insurance becomes necessary is not fun for the whole family. And you may be asking, hey, Fellas, do you really do you really think I'm going to die young? A thousand times no, we don't, okay? On the contrary, I'm going to give you some scriptures that we happen to believe are true. Exodus 20:12 says, "Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you." We think that's a real promise. Isaiah 46:4 says, "Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you." Well, you don't get gray hairs by dying young. And Psalm 91.16 says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So long life, we think, is the norm. We know it doesn't always happen, but we're not, we're not here to proclaim your, your early demise. We speak these things over you, and we just believe it's God's plan for you. However, early death could happen. And if you guys have been around long enough, you've probably seen it happen. And if it does, we don't want it to wreck your outpost. Even if you are no longer with us in living color, 
your outpost, your family, the multi-generational thing that you're building uh, is going to continue and you can do things to protect it. So that's what this whole thing has been about, right? Unexpected and premature death, you see, is highly unlikely, but when it does happen, it's catastrophic. What you may not know is that there are other risks that can be addressed with insurance that are far more likely than kicking it at age 40. One of those considerably more probable risks is disability. Now, for the sake of this this podcast, we're going to talk long-term disability, meaning disability that lasts usually longer than 90 days and can last up to the rest of your life. You might be surprised to know that a whopping 25% of young working Americans will experience a period of disability that lasts for at least one year before they reach normal retirement age. Yikes, that's a whole lot more Americans than end up cashing in on term life insurance policies. Did you know that if you are one of the quarter of people that becomes disabled, you're actually more of a financial risk to your family than if you die? This is a sucky truth, but it's a truth nonetheless, and it makes perfect sense. Just think about it. It would be far easier for your beautiful, happy, skilled, and blossoming wife to go find a replacement for you in the family team than it would be for her to support you in any kind of vegetative state while she also raises your children and brings home the bacon that you're no longer providing. Just imagine the hardship of that scenario. We we pray that God would spare us and you from this possibility. But while you may not have ever considered the need for disability insurance, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert, it's not for everyone. It's actually much more likely statistically that you'll have need of it than that you'll need the long-term life insurance policy that you so wisely have purchased on the advice of your favorite biblically-based money blog. Now, the determination of whether you're dead or not dead is very cut and dry. Personally, I go with the is there blood flowing in the body method of determination. Defining disability, on the other hand, is almost as difficult as shopping for a policy that won't leave you hosed when you lose a few fingers in a freak lathing accident. You can't believe how often terror strikes the lathe. So let's just come up with a a definition. Because a disability insurance policy will pay you based on whether or not it deems you to be disabled, it is really important that you understand how that gets determined. Unfortunately, it's neither intuitive nor uniform across insurers, so one company's definition doesn't match another company's. But for our purposes, there are three big categories of disability. I'm going to cover those for you real quick. Number one, social security. So if you've worked long enough and recently enough, and this is most of you, to qualify for social security disability benefits, then good news, you've already got some level of disability coverage. Here is what our slowly fraying government safety net says needs to happen in order for them to send you monthly checks. This is me reading straight from Social Security Administration, and they say, To meet our definition of disability, you must not be able to engage in any substantial gainful activity because of a medically determinable physical or mental impairment that is expected to result in death or that has lasted or is expected to last for a continuous period of at least 12 months. Now, that's the strictest definition of disability on this list. We pray that these checks will never see the inside of your mailbox, because it's bad news when you get to Social Security disability. 
The second definition is called any occupation, and if you buy an any occupation policy, you'll be deemed disabled if you become unable to work in, you got it, any occupation for which you are reasonably suited considering your education, training, and experience. So if you can work in any gainful occupation, you'll be denied benefits. While the loss of your thumbs in that gruesome lathing accident means that you can no longer work as an ice cream scooper, you better bet your britches you can still do the dishes, you thumbless whiner, so you won't be receiving any benefits here if this is the policy you bought. Just a quick side note, don't look up lathe accident videos on YouTube. Unless you're on a diet and want something to curb your appetite right now, I did this and I've, I've lived to regret it. On to the last definition, that's called own occupation. Now this type of policy defines you as disabled and thus eligible for benefits if you become unable to perform the majority of the occupational duties that you have been trained to perform. So let's say you're trained to neuter cats and you develop a trimmer that would just make it inhumane for you to continue in your trade then you're going to receive the full amount of your benefit, and here's the kicker, even if you go get some other job. Hooray to this. Unfortunately, because you could meet this definition in some cases while still being relatively able-bodied and of sound mind, this type of disability insurance is going to cost you the most. Now, I want to give you one more just side note, which is, I told you about the lathing videos. Do not look up cat neutering accident videos either. Um, I didn't, and I just, I don't want you to either. So be advised on all of these definitions. It's possible that a policy can have a combination of the above definitions that we talked about. So for example, it's common for a group policy to say, we'll pay you if you can't do your actual job, so that would be own occupation, for the first three years of your disability. But after that, we're only going to keep paying if you can't do any job. And that would be the any occupation definition few other quick thoughts to help you understand these policies. First is they have an elimination period, which is how long you'll wait between meeting the definition of disability and starting to receive monthly income. And it kind of works like your car insurance deductible. The longer the elimination period usually means a cheaper premium for you. Next, there's a whole slew of riders. And in insurance land, a rider is just an enhancement that you can pay extra for, and sadly, it's not a friendly Comanche who delivers your monthly benefit checks to your, to your home. Um, and we're not going to dig into all the riders, but I'll just mention that. But for example, you can buy a policy that will pay you a partial benefit if you're partially disabled, or even base your benefit on specifically how much of your income goes away due to your disability. There's a million different things you can do to modify these. I'm not going to cover them all. And lastly, as you may be realizing, this is not a particularly buyer-friendly market. And I do recommend finding professional help from someone who isn't being paid a commission for selling you a policy. Okay? Onward. Now, you know the basic ways that disability insurers can define disability. And maybe you're convinced that it would be wise to have some protection against disability. I hope you are anyways. One out of four, remember? So where are you supposed to get this stuff? Here's my thoughts. On the social security front, like we said, most of you already have this. Just keep in mind that the average person receiving social security disability benefits got $1,237 per month in 2019. It's not exactly the retirement you've been dreaming of, right? Right. Group disability is the next way people get this coverage. So many folks receive some level of disability coverage through their employer. 
while we did poo-poo group term life insurance in one of the episodes where we were talking about life insurance, um, we don't actually feel similarly about disability plans. First off, the premiums tend to be either covered by your employer in full or in part, and even if you have to pay for the whole premium, these policies are usually significantly more affordable than an individual policy. Also, some people just don't earn enough money to reasonably afford a decent individual policy, so group coverage can be a great and useful option. The last way to get disability coverage is to go buy an individual policy. And this is where you head over to one of the user-friendly insurance shopping sources. We like Policy Genius and have zero relationship to anything Policy Genius. That's just my favorite place to shop for these policies. Um, or you can contact a trusted insurance agent or broker. As you can tell, these policies have so many nooks and crannies that you should do the research to make 1000% sure that you understand exactly what you're buying. One company's slightly tweaked definition of own occupation can be the difference in you receiving benefits or not. So I'll say it again. When in doubt, contact an expert who is not earning a commission to provide you some neutral input on this. All right. And I do know that a thousand percent is mathematically impossible. Uh, so I, I do know that. So as I was writing this article out for you guys, I dialed up a few estimates for myself on what it would cost to purchase an individual own occupation policy for about $5,000 a month of coverage from a quality company. And I'm 37 years old and the quotes came back between $130 and $180 a month. That might give you an idea for what we're talking. While that's not impossible for most families to fit into their budget, I know it's also a lot more than most families are budgeting right now for things like life insurance. So you're saying, hey, Mr. Wallet, thank you for explaining the finer points of these different policies. And while we're at it, I sure appreciate you telling me how to acquire these, but this crap is expensive. Could you please give me a little hint as to how exactly I should prioritize disability insurance in my budget? Is it a nice to have or is it an essential? I'm not made of money, you podcasting nerd. And so I'm like, okay, calm down. I'm here to help and this is education. So here we go. Let me wrap up like this. I'm not going to tell you if you need disability coverage or not. Like I said, most people need something, um, but I will give you a few action items that might help you answer your own question. So first, head over to, to My Social Security. It's a part of the broader Social Security site. And if you Google My Social Security, you'll find it and create an account. Once you've set everything up, you should be able to easily view what your estimated monthly benefit would be if you needed social security disability. If you see that your monthly benefit is plenty to keep your family chugging along, then A, we would like to enlist you as a Lodofeb mascot, you thrifty son of a gun. But also, again, assuming you're cool with the strictest definition of disability that we talked about, B, you're probably okay with this alone, so you can skip investigating further. Most of you, however, should proceed to step two. Now, step two is if you work for a company that provides benefits, go back and scroll through the documentation they gave you on your first week and try to figure out if you have any disability insurance or if you have the option to purchase it, what the definitions and specifics of the plan are, and lastly, how much would it cost? Think of it like a wicked cool Easter egg hunt, but instead of Cadbury treats, you're looking for own occupation riders and income replacement clauses. Okay, maybe the nerd label fits a little bit. 
The third thing I want you to do is take that group policy that you found, hopefully, maybe, and go compare it with what you can find on the internet or with the illustrations provided to you by a trustworthy insurance agent who isn't trying to make a commission out of selling you policies. After you've made your way through these three steps, you can really begin to make an informed decision about how much of your monthly budget you want to use to ensure future streams of income in the event of your own disability. And as you read the titillating details of disability insurance policies, you may see a lot of things that reference reduced benefits for social security payments or not. And I just want to say I've left a lot of details out of this podcast, so please don't hesitate to reach out directly with questions if you dig into your own situation and say, I could use some some help or just some thoughts from somebody else. My hope for you is that I've just put this topic on your radar and that whatever decision you end up making you'll do it armed with eyes wide open to the risks and potential mitigation strategies. So I want you to go forward, shore up your corner of the kingdom in strength, trusting the Lord, not your insurance policies, but also using the tools he's put at your disposal. And so with your steady thumbs attached right onto the sides of your hands, I pray that you'll never have to stop neutering those cats, guys. Amen. And boom, just like that, guys, we did it. And it didn't hurt that much, did it? But now you know more than the average yokel on the street when it comes to insurance. I just want to say thanks for bearing with us through this series. I really do hope that there's something that we've dropped into your brains that might pop back up and be really useful to you in the future. Like I said, we're going to do a Q&A podcast, but we're going to wait a little bit to run that. So if you have questions that have come up in these last couple topics, still please free to feel free to send them my way, mark at abrahamswallet.com, and we will be back with you next week. Until then, we bless you to keep building those multi-generational families and following Jesus with your money and your family. All right, catch you later. For Abraham's Wallet, I'm Mark Barrett.